Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Everybody is terrified. Find the joy. This is what we're talking about. Yep. We, uh, we just came up with it. We kind of actually got into a bit of a talk here before the podcast started. And we were like, let's just record. Because the stuff that we were, we were saying was like, no, this is what people need to hear. Let's stop talking about this <laughs> <laughs> and start talking about this. But I think it was perfect. We, we got to it literally just five seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, sort of the idea. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's something that is going to be, I think, a, a lifelong thing for anybody in a creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing with fear. Uh, and, and finding joy. I mean, it's this push and pull, this almost yeah. tug of war that goes on internally, uh, in, in whatever you've em- embarked upon. Mm-hmm. You know what, what, what I was sharing before we started this was I was talking about how we were kind of discussing about what was that quote that, what was the quote, the quote that you read online you were just sharing? Oh, okay. oh, uh, it was, um, from Sanford Meisner. Yeah. And, uh, his thoughts on acting uh, and what he aimed to achieve through his training and to instill as a, not necessarily as a technique per se, but as a general concept of what it is that actors were engaging in what they were doing Mm -hmm. is that he felt that it was about getting actors prepared for an experiment that was about to take place on stage. Is that the one that you were? No, it was the one that you oh, said. Was, that, that, that's a good one, though, and I'm glad you shared that. Oh, okay. Because I think that's really important. And uh, I think we've kind of talked a bit about that with the whole preparation is right. how important that is. And then, and the whole idea is I actually really believe that. I, I believe that everything is ultimately an experiment, and we don't know the answers. And if we were like curious children and we were kind of like scientists in the sense that let's just find out what happens based on the fact that we did our preparation – it's all good. Like even this conversation we're having right now, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know really what we're going to say. It's kind of an experiment, but we kind of did a little bit of preparation to get ourselves started. And then we, we go into it. I think when we do not so serious Sundays, our preparation <laughs> is being done well. Like, in, like if you're listening to a, to a not so serious Sunday, you're watching us do our preparation. And then at some point in the conversation, we actually get into the experiment more or less. Yeah. We find something, but yeah. I think, uh, so the one that you were thinking of yeah. had to do with teaching. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I'll probably misquote this to a degree. You're going to become the misquote guy. I'll be the, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I always, and you know, here's the thing. I always validate myself. That's another fear thing as well of my own. Okay. So good. Just yeah. Wear that on my sleeve. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, the quote was something along the lines of a wise teacher approaches directly they don't teach avoidance of harm, rather finding joy. Ah, Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and I read that and it, and it sent chills down my spine. I I underlined it Mm -hmm. (laughs) in, in in my book. Cause I'm like, yeah, I really want to, that's the kind of teacher that I want to be. Yeah. You know, how to, how to find joy in whatever it is that you're doing in your life, in your art, in your work, 
in your relationships. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that's where, that's where I was getting on about my experience of it. And I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about having like endless motivation and like just a side note caveat is that I've learned that we're always motivated. We're actually always extremely motivated. It's just that sometimes we're not motivated to what we think we want to do. Sometimes you're extremely motivated to sit on the couch and watch TV, but you're like, no, I'm not motivated. I don't want to work right now. But it's like, no, it's not that you're not motivated. It's just that your motivation is this way right now. You're very connected to wanting to sit on the couch and watch TV right now. That's actually really motivated. If you realize that, and, and you don't think of motivation as something you lose or gain, but something you always have, that's the first step to endless motivation, right? Then the, the next thing that I realized was based on that, that, that quote you shared with me, I was like, yeah, that's so true. Because when I had started my business, right? Um, and then I started working with one of my coaches. His name is Lee McIntyre. He's in Newcastle right now. I don't know if he still teaches the course, but he's kind of, he's kind of, uh, he's cause he teaches many different types of courses, but this was a business building course. It was fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it. If you have a business or you want to just make a lot of money and be successful, <laughs> but he taught me stuff that was just unbelievable. And I attribute most all my success to him as far as business goes. But he said, you know, basically like he showed me things that basically helped me see that I could make a massive amount of money, make a massive change, achieve my mission in life of helping people make movies and be creative. And I had endless motiva- motivation. Um, for This is an interesting thing because there was a little period where my motivation went in another direction. But when I immediately did the course, and I'm going to explain why it went in another direction in a moment. But when I first was doing the course, the idea and the belief that I could make this massive amount of money and I could totally change my circumstances in my life was super exciting. I actually was only sleeping about four hours a night and I was fine. It wasn't like I was not even tired. People would see me and they would, you know, it's not like anyone would say I was tired or anything. They'd be like, man, you're so excited about life. I want some of that, you know? And, and I was, and even as I'm talking about, it, I'm reconnecting, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just was excited to get up and do my work and build my, you know, build my website and connect with clients and do whatever. He also taught this part of the course, which was about how to actually share it with the world. This was the part when I got to this part of the course where I started to find the fear came in because I, you know, I'll just share this with myself, a little humility here is that I have actually a a great fear that if I share things with people, I don't know that there'll be people who will basically say negative stuff about me, hate on me, do whatever. And there's, there's fears around there that I have. They're not as bad anymore, but they were pretty severe at the time. Yeah. And this was a few years ago, but, um, so basically when it got to the point of sharing it with the world and how to attract more clients worldwide, which I've started, you know, I've attracted clients worldwide since, but then, you know, my big fear was that if I share it with the world, I haven't got everything right yet. I haven't got my website perfect. I haven't worked this out yet. I haven't, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't have this. I don't have, you know, and, uh, I have a, I have another mentor who is also really brilliant, but he kind of was like, yeah, you want to make sure you have everything figured out. And I was getting kind of this like, yeah, I should have everything figured out. But what it did, I think he's right. But there was a certain part of me that was like, I let that help me hide my fear. So then I stopped sharing. And actually I started to find that my motivation to get up in the morning and work and, and kind of, I wanted to sleep more. I wanted to avoid kind of doing certain works that shared things bigger. 
Um, yeah. And it was this kind of this quote you're talking about. I wasn't focused on the joy. I was focused on the potential pain. And now I'm finding like I've been reviewing my work with Lee again and I've been realizing it's like, Oh, if I just get rid of the fear and I apply what he taught me, yeah, that stuff might happen, but if the fear is gone and I'm focused on the joy, the possibility of what that creates, yeah, doors open. And they literally, you know, this week, I mean, they literally, you know, applying those, going back and applying those lessons again. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's right. It, it works, you know? Yeah. And, and to me, there's also a, you know, there's an amazing degree of practicality in sharing the joy part of what it is that you do. That's really what you want to share with people. Yeah. You don't want to share how you're avoiding painful situations. (laughs) You want to share the joy. You want to share the passion that you have because that's ultimately what people connect to. Mm -hmm. I think there's something intrinsic in us that, that is drawn to that, that is drawn to people's dreams that is drawn, drawn to what really gets people excited. You know, um, they say that pain is the greatest motivator in the world. But I've actually found that it, it motivates you to a certain degree, but there's this like tap out point where it doesn't, it runs out of steam. You know, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the go-to like, and I, and I can relate to this. Like, for example, like when, when things are not working, you know, when you're struggling and you got bills, you got debts, you got whatever you got to take care of. There's a certain amount of pain that can come with that. And you can be immediately motivated to like get those circumstances covered. But once they're covered, the motivation can kind of just die out because you you basically, if you're pain motivated, you almost have to maintain that same level of pain for so long. And it's basically at the point where you're going to get so used to it, so tolerant of it, that it's not going to be painful anymore. In fact, you're going to need it to be more painful. So pain motivation is a great quick fix, but not good for endless motivation. You need to have vision, right? There's that reminds me of something that I read in a book years and years ago, and it had to do with actually motivation and with bosses and managing people. And in this one particular example, they were saying is that if you have, let's say you have a boss who, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. You've had a boss who is a bit of a tyrant, a bit of a disciplinarian, somebody who's really hard on people, who's always nitpicking about stuff, micromanaging this and that. And that is very much a pain style of, of controlling and getting things done. Mm -hmm. And it does work is what this book was saying. It does, it does work, but here's the thing. It only takes you so far it only goes so far because what happens when you have a managerial style like that, or if you have, so, and in this example, we're talking about someone who's an outside worker. However, when it comes to you as an artist or an entrepreneur or whatever it is, that is you. And that is a voice that you have in your own head. That's doing this to you. It's how you manage yourself. It's how you manage yourself. Right. Uh, so the thing is that if you have somebody managing you or a voice that's managing you through a pain style voice, the problem comes in is that what happens to the employees in this particular example is that employees will only do as much as will keep them out of trouble, Hmm. but they will never go any further than that. Right. For you what gets people to go further for 
their boss is someone who treats them with respect, who's someone who treats them like they're valuable, someone who treats them, you know, with, with a sense of joy and bringing them in. Like they want them to be a part of what's happening, Mm. like being included in something. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I thought it was super interesting. It's actually, it's, it's funny now that that's being brought back up again, because I think how many times my, my own voice in my own head is uses this pain style of thing. It's like, Oh, well, you know, you want to get this done, don't you? Yeah. Because this and that, and it's like, and I'm, and I'm scolding myself almost for things that I haven't gotten around to things that haven't been done yet. And then, you know, maybe it does help me get a couple of things done, which is great, which is great. (laughs) Yeah. But then suddenly you find yourself back in a situation where you're like, Oh, why am I working for this guy? <laughs> right. You know, it's so interesting because there is this ironically success and money and wealth and just everything that you want comes in a way that is so counter to the way we think it comes. And let me explain because, you know, and we talked about this in earlier podcast. I don't remember which one it was, but I, I remember we went off a bit about it, about hard work and smart work and hard work is like, if I put more time in, more energy, more effort, more whatever, it should yield more results, right? But no, life doesn't actually work that way. Yes, to a degree, if you work harder, put more time in, put more effort, whatever, it does tap out because eventually you get exhausted. And the other thing is, is that if you're trading your value for your hard work and effort, you know, that can only pay you out to a certain part. But if you if you learn to get rewards for your intelligence, it can pay you out almost infinitely. And so, you know, uh, I'll use an example. My dad used to say to me, like, and he would talk to me a lot about working smart, you know, and he would talk to me a lot about like, what, what's actually smart here. And I remember him saying, you know, I get more done in half an hour than most people do in their entire day. And this is true, you know, like he'll make more money in, in half an hour in a day than most people will. And it's because he's figured out that, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of us working against each ourselves. You know, we're working against ourselves, and we stop working against ourselves. There's actually very little work we do really in a day that's actually productive. And if we just did the productive work, we'd actually get to enjoy the whole rest of the day. Yep. And it would be a different experience. Well, they've recently done a study that said in people who have a, a typical sort of nine to five job, which I don't even know how typical that is anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> in the in the old status quo of working a nine to five job at a career with a salary or what have you, about two hours of that eight nine hour day, only two hours of them are actually productive. Hmm. I'm not surprised. I've yeah. heard that before too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, and but we still feel, and I think it's just an old mentality that we have. It's like, well, unless we're we're doing that amount of work in a given day, then we're not actually working. We're not actually getting things done. Yeah. Busy doesn't mean you're productive. No. And, but it's, it's, it's so funny because we, we have this in our head yet. We've also been told so many times messages of a little bit of something is better than a whole lot of nothing, or, you know, it's better to dig one well, a hundred feet deep than 10, 10 feet deep. You know, like it's just certain things. I don't know. Maybe these are only quotes that yeah. have come my way. Right. But we, we have this contradictory way that we've been 
we're told how we need to work you in know, our lives. It's true. And we sign up for education systems that are based on time too, because we think that time yields more results. Not true. We did the Dov Simmons filmmaking workshop, for example, three day workshop. I highly recommend it to anybody who wants to learn how to make a movie. Highly recommend it. Cause in three days I learned more in that than I did in all of my film school. You know, I teach movies now too. I teach, I have a certain style of teaching, which I think is different than his. But if you want to learn, like I, even if you've done my courses, I would still push people to do Dobbs because Dobb does something to me that he streamlines the whole process and he shows you how to make a film in three days, just commit three days of your life. And it's jam packed with rock solid stuff. In my opinion, that's all about the actual stuff you need to know. And you know what, you know what, you can go learn, go read books on theory. You know what, we can make a list and, and, you know, maybe I'll do that for everybody so they can just read some lists on, on film theory and you can expand your know-how. But you know, like I, I, I come from the background of action, you know, from action, actually doing the thing. You can think about it. You can talk about it, but until you're there doing it, you know, trying it out, actualizing the thing, none of that matters you know, and my, my whole thing is, is that, you know what, jump in, you know, jump into whatever this thing is that you want to do. You want to be a painter, start painting, stop reading books on painting, start painting. You know, if you want to be a musician, pick up a guitar and start strumming. I don't know what you got to do, but until you do it, you know, and I get, I get passionate about this because it's like, you want to make a film, you know, go, go just grab your iPhone and film some stuff. You know, my first film, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It won first place in a friggin' festival and I had no previous film knowledge. The only reason that could have happened was because I told my friends, Hey, let's make a film. Let's try this out. Yeah. And no one says that whatever your first project is, whatever the first thing you undertake is, or the, even the second one or the third one, that it's got to be a masterpiece. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to cut your teeth. I, I know for myself, you know, I, it's one of, it's a goal in my life to be what I would consider. And I'm sure that will change, but what I would consider to be a a very accomplished guitar player. You know, my girlfriend would say that I already am (laughs) for, for myself though. Like when I think of who I admire so much as guitar players, like, uh, Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan and David Gilmore, like these guys who I just hold in such high esteem. I mean, I'm not at that caliber. I'm not at that level yet but I'm working towards that. And the thing is, is that, you know, I, as I'm working towards that and I'm, and I'm working on this area of my playing, I'm working on that area of my playing and improving, I'm actually starting to find, and in trying to sort of replicate a lot of what they did, because that's what I I like, you know, you start from that point of inspiration. You look at, at someone who's doing something that you really like and go, okay, I want to know how they did that. And I want to know how they did that. So you start trying it out. You start trying to figure it out. And it's been more so as of recent now that I've reached a point where it's like, yeah, I can sort of do what they're doing, but I'm also beginning to find my own voice through my playing which is a really exciting thing when I was like, wow, I'm actually starting to find how I play this instrument, like where, where I come into this, where I'm different from those guys. Mm. That's great. 
And, but that's, but you've got to start, right? And you can start at that point of inspiration. Maybe like you said, a painter, maybe you are, you're a painter and you want to do something. Try painting something that one of your favorites, one of your masters, you like, if you like Van Gogh or something like that, try and try and do something in his style or even try to paint some like one of his, one of his paintings, like find out the materials he used, what kind of paints he used. You probably already know if you're, if you're a painter, kind of what the general style was, but just give it a shot because the thing is in attempting to do what they did, you'll start to figure out some, what some of those things were on a purely technical level. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you're actually going to start to find how you like to do things too, Mm -hmm. which is extraordinarily important because we don't need another Van Gogh. We don't need another Jimmy Page. Some might argue that, Mm -hmm. but we've already got one of those. Yeah. You know, we've already got one of those. Who are you? We need another you. We need a you. We need a you. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need you to come out and show us, show us that thing. Right. And I mean, uh, you know, I think where, I think where we get confused about hard work and, uh, you know, I want to come back to this a little bit. There's a few things I do, but one in hard work is like, you know, for those people who are on the other end of this, who are talking about, well, you know, hard work, you, you know, you got to practice and practice and practice. Well, yeah. But the thing is, is like when I, when I was thinking about you talking about your guitar playing, right, I was thinking like, just because you're not Jimi Hendrix, you know, you don't play that way. Does it mean that you don't enjoy playing guitar? Does that mean that, right? And, and you're nodding and you're saying, yeah, yeah no, I, of enjoy, course. I enjoy guitar regardless. Right. So the, I think the thing is, is that the pain of art is where we go, well, I'm going to be bad at this. What does bad have to do with anything? You're doing the thing that you want to do that you love, you know, like, okay, I love acting. I'm not at the caliber of Leonardo DiCaprio yet. You know, I'm not there, but you know what? Uh, I've had my moments. I've had my experiences, but you know what? When I, when I bring it back and I stop thinking about all that stuff, I go, I really love to act. I really, I really enjoy it. I find it to be an amazing experience. And in fact, um, just the bonding experience that I have with all the other players and, and, and getting to work with the director. And, you know, um, when I started acting, I, I actually wasn't a huge fan of theater to me. It didn't appeal to me as much, but as I got into acting, I actually find that I love theater more than I love film acting. Just what's really interesting too, is that screenwriting is something I've always been doing, but I actually love novel writing more than I love screenwriting now. And the reason why is you start to, your, your, your artistic self begins to expand. And what I found with why I like novel writing so much is there's so many less limitations on novel writing. I get to, I get to do so much more creative room. Like I get to write as many pages as I want. I could write a 3000 page novel if I want to write it. No one's going to tell me no. You know what I mean? And if I want to write it as a hundred pages, I can do that too. Whereas with a, with a screenplay, you really got to try and hit that 87 to 90 page mark now. Like it's very, very important. Right. And like, you know, um, producers have told me like, if it's over 110 pages, we're not even going to read it over 110 pages. They're not going to read it. You know, I read the departed. It's 150 pages. 
But so, that's so, Martin Scorsese. Right. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm, I'm Brandon nobody in as far as the uh, film industry is concerned, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not, but I'm not Martin Scorsese, right? But they're not going to look at my 150-page script. I'm not on the same field he's playing on. So, you know, there's a certain amount of like, okay, well, I can keep writing screenplays and I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep pumping this stuff out and I'm going to keep creating great stories. But you know what? When I get to do a novel, I don't have to be at Martin Scorsese's level to tell the story that I want to tell because novelists, at least in our culture, get put on a more level playing field. You know what I mean? And so then you go, well, hey, I like doing it. Just like when you're doing theater, you don't necessarily have to have a a hundred... $200, $300 million budget to do your play. If you do great work as an actor, it doesn't matter how much was spent on it, essentially, because if they spent this massive amount of money on it and it's, and it's not great acting, theater kind of levels things out a little bit. You know what I mean? This is what I kind of like about it. You know, so, you know, you can take like, I've met some amazing actors, some just brilliant actors They've never had a TV show. They've never had a big lead in a movie. They've never really done anything more than, you know, some great plays and whatever. But, you know, like if you base your art on the how does how are you commercially recognized in, entirely? I'm not saying that it's not valid. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you base it entirely on that, there's a confusion, you know, and a, a, I don't know. I was kind of going off on a topic about hard work. Yeah, practice, practice, practice your crap, but enjoy because you enjoy doing it period, not because of all these external rewards. And I think that in terms of what we're talking about with joy, that comes down to, in my mind, it comes down to being able to be present. You know, that usually when I find myself in just a a state of joy in doing what I'm doing, it's because, and, and that's part of why I love playing guitar. It's part of why I love acting and performances because when, when I'm in that space, when I am really in what I'm doing, it's, it is, it's a meditative experience. Almost there's like, I'm not thinking about the past, something that happened to me. I'm not thinking about, you know, what, what's happening later on for that day, that week, that year, nothing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else happening in my mind than what's happening right in this very moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what, Ooh, like I I just got chills right now thinking (laughs) about it. Like, it's just, that's, that's where the joy is, is in your absolute presence and, and commitment and awareness to this thing that you are doing, Mm -hmm. which is why it's important. You select something that you really love doing Yeah, because the more you can be present with that thing, the more joy you're going to find. You know, it's interesting too, because I mean, there, you know, people can say like, oh, well, it's too late. I starting too late and I'll never have a chance. Or they could say like all sorts of things like, well, you know, I could do it. I'll never make it big. Or I've been doing this for a while and I realize, you know, it's not like, I just don't feel like it's going to happen for me. Like if you love something, it doesn't really matter if it's going to happen for you. It doesn't matter. Like, like that stuff doesn't matter. And I think the thing is, is that that's the kind of stuff that confuses us, you know, like, uh, like even, um, I don't know, like helping people make movies and write scripts, you know what? Like, I gotta say, like when you help someone do something that's important to them, I find that I I personally, when I do that, I find that to be one of the most rewarding things in the world. 
you know, so let's say like, you know, what I would love is I love clients who work with me to ultimately win Oscars and, and achieve their ultimate dreams. And, you know, there's a part of me that really wants that to happen. I mean, like, oh, if that happened, like everybody would want to work with me in the world, blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, like at the end of the day, maybe that doesn't happen. You know, maybe I'm not ultimately, maybe no one that I work with ever does that. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is that when you, when, when, and I, I'm trying to share this just with you and with everybody is that when you help someone to do something that they didn't even know is possible in the first place, and you help them to do it with a certain amount of like power and poise and where people will read their script and go, this is really good. This is really cool. Like I, I, I really get this character struggle and they put their heart and their soul into it. That, that is worth it. I mean, that to me is like, okay, that's where the victory is. Now, like, you know, the factors that determine whether they get the awards and do all this other stuff, I mean, that can be determined on, you know, are they willing to do the producer work that goes after writing a script? Because it's like, I think sometimes people believe that if I'm just great at something, I know I did. When I was younger, I used to believe that if I'm just a great actor, I will succeed. It doesn't work that way. If you're a great screenwriter, you won't necessarily succeed. There's, there's work you have to do. There's a certain application of putting yourself out there in the world and talking to people and connecting with people who can actually move you forward. Um, or being willing to do the work. And a lot of people can have these great screenplays, but they're not willing to do the work. And so like, there's, there's more than one step. One step is I want to help people write great screenplays. I also want to help them connect to the right people. I can help them do both, but not everybody is willing to do both. You know, I find that some people are willing, very willing to connect to people, but they're not really willing to like really do the rewrites on their scripts. Or some people are, they have these amazing screenplays that they've come up with, but they're so scared to talk to people. They're so like in their own way about their value. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter how good this is unless someone, unless someone wants to get behind it. Or I've, uh, you know, I've experienced people not like not necessarily someone I've worked with, but I remember there's this guy who, um, I won't mention his name just because of the context of this story, but he wrote a really great television series, but he was so controlling about it. It had to be the way he wrote it. And no one wanted to work with them because like, if you control everything, you're, you know, we talked about this in an earlier podcast. It's a, it's a, it's an expansive medium. You know, everybody needs to bring their input in. There's producers that are going to want to do things or th- to make it commercially viable that if you're like, no, it needs to be this way, you know, those people might get rubbed the wrong way, yeah. you know? And I mean, and that's also a choice too. It's a choice. I mean, that's a choice it's that, fair. You, that you make. Way. It's fair. It's like if, but realize that that is maybe something that's going to happen. I mean, for me, there's a thing you love and then there's the work. You know, and, and from, I don't know, this is maybe just a theory at this point, but I, I feel like the work is basically putting yourself out there. Yeah. How the work is, how are people going to know to come to you? How are people going to know that you're, you're even there Yes. doing this thing? And you're right. It does. I, and I used to feel the same way that it's like, oh, if I'm just good enough, then, then everything's just going to be everything's just going to come into place. And the other problem that you face that way is like, well, what is good enough? That's an almost an unanswerable question. In some ways, if you're, if you're focused on that, if you're saying it's like, Oh, am I good enough? Well, that in itself is a bit of the answer. It's yeah. like if you're, what if is you're good enough, exactly. What is good enough? So good, got, good enough. If we realize the, the, the bar for good enough is so 
bloody low, <laughs> we would be like, we would, we would be like laughing at ourselves. Okay. So Lee, right. Who's my mentor in Nishinab earlier. Right. I was, I've been reviewing a lot of his, like he does online courses and stuff like that, but I've been reviewing kind of his courses via online. You know, we haven't uh, necessarily been talking as much directly, but I, or whatever, but I've been doing the course online. I was reevaluating because my courses are online and I was like, wow, my courses online, they look really beautiful. They look really like well put together. And I was looking at his, I was like, wow, these are so basic. But I was like, he makes way more money than I do. He, he's just a super successful that way. And, and his content is brilliant. And I was like, his setup is so basic and so simple. And I was like, isn't that interesting? I've spent all this time trying to make mine a art, um, aesthetically pleasing because obviously I'm like, is it good enough? Is it good enough? Is it good enough? And I was like, he, you know, that stuff doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, what matters that the website looked pretty and you enjoyed the experience or that it gave you great results. And I realized like, Oh, well my content gives great results. I don't need to make it pretty. And he's told me that actually, he said, you know, stop trying to make this thing pretty. Like, you know, that doesn't matter. That's yeah. it. He said, that's your fear. Cause you just don't want to ship it. Right. And I was like, you're right. And, and my, my website in, in a way, like the more beautiful it gets, it, every time I look at that, I go, the bar for being good enough is very low. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> stop trying to like raise it. Cause it's not like, like, like I don't want to go to a, I don't want to do an online course. That's beautiful. I want to do an online <laughs> course. that's effective. If it's beautiful as well, bonus, but you know what? Minor. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's all about the content, the message of what you're bringing. There's a great Ted talk from this guy who's done consultations with Apple and lots of other big companies and his, uh, his message. Oh, I wish I could remember the names. It's like, <laughs> I, I am such a person of this, of this generation. I just absorb information and I forget where it all came from. Yeah. We should try and figure out the link to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to share that. Uh, and he, his whole thing was that people don't buy what, you do. They buy why you do it. I'm glad you brought this up. I literally just wrote this, this down. I'm going to tell everybody. Oh, all I right. Literally wrote it down. You literally just wrote that. This is incredible. It was, I wrote it be. down like literally just, well, <laughs> not, not literally just now, but like a few days ago, I wrote right. it down and, uh, it's been on my to-do list to rewatch it. Yeah. And, and it's I mean, so funny that, it's, that you're bringing this up and it's absolutely brilliant. And I feel like this is actually very, uh, it's relevant to the conversation that we're having because to me that why is the joy that why is, is what people buy into. You're saying it's like, Oh, this is why I'm doing this because I'm passionate. This is what gets me fired up. That's the joy that you're sending out to people. And that's what you want people to pick up on. And that's what you need to be focused on as well. Mm -hmm. So the video is on Ted talk. Yes. And the video just search, start with why. And it's actually based on a book apparently, or it's, there's a book maybe referred to it called the golden circle. Um, but anyway, the Ted talk is called start with why. So, so people will go with that and then they can understand the fact that like in, uh, uh, Apple and the reason why his argument, why Apple is so successful is Apple focuses on the why. And that's a big reason why, why? You know, it's a big reason yeah. why <laughs> they focus on the why. And I think what we get, we get lost in, if I remember, is something about the what and on all this other stuff. Whatever yeah. and whatever you feel about Apple products, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. That's right? irrelevant. It's, yeah. it's completely irrelevant. Success in the, exactly. And, yeah. You cannot argue 
with the very fact, like, I don't, I'm not really an Apple product user. However, I have a lot of respect for what they've done. Mm -hmm. They've done a lot (laughs) to change the world. Yes. Truly without the iPhone. I mean, and I'm, this is, might seem like a trivial detail. Ah, that's my own judgment. Anyhow, <laughs> like I'm, I use like an Android phone. Okay. But I know that what my phone does does not exist without the, without the iPhone with, without those ideas and these concepts and these philosophies that were being brought forward through, through what Apple was doing. Right. No. And I mean, you know, that's the thing is, uh, you know, it's endless, endless tribute to these, um, companies that develop this stuff. But I think the thing with why, the thing with the why and, and like how it relates to Apple is Apple looks at, they, they look at more than just kind of trying to sell you something. They look at the experience. They look at like why you, why this would be in your life. You know, it's, it's so much more. And I think like when we, when we get focused on that stuff and we stop worrying about like getting it right or being perfect or being good enough, you know, we start creating a lot of value. And, uh, I mean, that's what art is really about. Um, and to to bring this back, the hard work and the smart work. Yes. I mean, this is smart work, you know, this, like the work is smart because, you know, there's, um, I was thinking about like the hourly worker. Okay. And I have total respect for that. Like, don't get me wrong. I think it's totally necessary that people do hourly work every now and then. And that, um, if you're coming out of, if you're coming out of school and you're, you know, before you have a lot of experience, I think everybody, even if you were a multimillionaire billionaire, it would, it would do you well to have an hourly job just for a little while, just to experience that, because it will give you a certain respect for how the economy and how certain things function. You know, if there's no one there, when I want to go buy a new shirt or I want to go to the restaurant and I want to get some food, you know, if no one's willing to man that post, um, or woman that post, if you want to say that, (laughs) but if no one's willing to be there, I mean, that service and that possibility doesn't exist. So there's a great, like, I think that it's a great thing. My, my concern is when people feel that they're stuck there, they feel that they cannot move out of that. And that's like, you know, when I started movie making, I actually, uh, I remember teaching this course and it started kind of out of people just saying, Brandon, you know, you know, a lot about movies, teach us how to make movies, blah, blah, blah. But then I started to realize there's like, what's like, why, like, why, why teach people movies and stuff like that? And, uh, and I realized that like movies are so great because you actually learn to put up a business. You learn in short term what it is to run a business, but you only have to run your business for a really short period of time. And then you can close (laughs) shop and you can start a new business or you can never run a business again, but you know what it's like. And that's why I think like anyone, even people who aren't interested in making movies should just come to my course and make a movie. Cause what I help people understand is how to actually have personal financial freedom. Because when you learn how to run a movie, you learn how to build a team, you learn how to raise money, you learn how to create something of value, you learn how to deliver it, you learn how to communicate it to other people, you learn all the skills, and then you get to close shop. And if it worked or didn't work, you learn from it. And then you can take all those lessons and you can apply them to anything you want to do. Like literally, in a sense, it's the fun way to do business school because you learn how to do business. And then you know, you can apply all the skills that you learned into anything you do. And, and the thing is I never went to business school, you know, business school always kind of interested me, but I didn't know a lot about it. Yeah. And 
I knew that I could start a business because I've done many films. I've produced many films and I know, okay, well, what do you got to do to build a business? You create something of value. You offer it to people. You build the team. You learn how to finance it. You learn how to get the backing to do it. You, you know, you present it, you deliver it. You do like I I had all the skills. I had filmmaking. Filmmaking is a beautiful, it's fun. It's creative. And at the end of the day, What's really great is you get to close shop, but you have a movie you made yeah. for the rest of your life. It's such a, it's totally. such a beautiful thing. And something yeah. that you said in there, I want like, uh, my dad, he was a chemistry major in university. Okay. And he is now the head of the entrepreneurship programs at a couple of, you know, big post-secondary <laughs> institutions. Yes. He never went to school for business. Right. He's completely self-taught in that. So in that whole train of, am I, am I good enough? Am I qualified enough? And this and that, you know, if I, if you have passion for something, that's the, that's the most important thing that you need to get anything, to get anything done because the rest you can learn. Yeah. The rest you can learn. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to throw that into the pot. That's good. (laughs) And, uh, you know, um, uh, so I'm reading this book right now. It's a, uh, it's a finance book for teenagers coming out of high school and thinking about how to learn how to work with their finances. It's actually quite a good little book. Very um, cool. And, but what's really interesting about it is one of the things that was interesting to me is I think it's actually great. I, you know, I would, I would share it with all teenagers and, and just people in general, actually. In fact, some of the lessons I'm finding like, oh yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I didn't know. (laughs) But there's this one period in the, in the book or one chapter where they talk about what do you want to do after high school? What kind of field do you want to go into? And it's the one downfall of the book that I've experienced so far in the sense that it doesn't really, it kind of, it kind of encourages you. It says you could be an entrepreneur. You could kind of could go off and do your own thing, but it doesn't really go into that. And I, I suppose it's not really the job, but it still carries a bit of that mindset of like, you're going to go into a certain field. And so it was talking about in this chapter about how certain fields are doing really well. Like right now, maybe they need teachers or maybe they need nurses or maybe they need, you know, um, you know, construction people, whatever. Right. So what ends up happening though, is when they're in need, when the economy is in need, there's job openings in certain positions. So people end up kind of just taking on a job, not because they're passionate, but because there's openings and there's opportunity to make money right now. Right. And so then what ends up happening is you get into, well, you start moving up the, you know, the line you become, you start as an employee, you become a manager, you become an a supervising manager or supervisor or whatever. Yeah. Eventually you move up, but you're, you're still working in that same field and you might never even have been passionate about that field. But because the money was there, the opportunity was there. You wanted to buy a house, get married, have kids, do all this other stuff. And things were a little harder to come by. There's this whole supply and demand. And what hit me was I was like, man, some people never, I mean, some people online might like, like I knew I wanted to be in film. Like when I was 16, I, I, I never cared what, if it was hard or whatever, I just made that decision. So for me, I never, I never had the experience of kind of being swayed by whatever's going on in the economy. I decided I would do what I wanted to do. And I didn't care if my parents agreed. I didn't care if my friends agreed. I didn't care if anybody agreed. I was going to do that. So maybe this is obvious to other people. I don't know, but people get put into certain careers because of supply and demand. There's a lot of supply. 
very little or very in a lot of demand. So then they get pushed into that and then they start doing this career for a while and it's, and it's, you know, giving them rewards. And when they got into it, it might've been temporary, but it starts to become kind of an inertia. They get into it, they start doing it. And I thought, wow, like this is part of the problem is that people don't realize that you can change and you can do what you want to do. And also you don't have to base your decisions on the economy. Like, but I think we have so much fear about like, well, what if I became an artist? You know, like, I mean, I know my parents were super scared about that. They were like, well, you're going to become like a deadbeat, you know, (laughs) you're not going to be able to do anything in your life. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of truth in that when you, when you leave your artistry up to the world to decide if they're going to return the value or not. Um, I think the best thing that I started to learn as I got, you know, into my later twenties was how do I be more and more, I always wanted to be proactive, but how do you be more proactive about opening up doors for yourself? And I think like, if you're going to be an artist, you're an entrepreneur. You just have to, you, you have to both they're synonymous with each other. There's not, it's like one or the other. Like you, if you're an actor, you are the product. If you're a painter, your painting's your product. If you're a musician, yeah. your music's your product and you're the product too these days. So you need to figure out how to do sales and marketing and how to, you know, connect and socialize. And you know, there's, you, you might need to learn how to build a business to some degree. And yeah. I think that if artists just go, well, I'm just going to be a great artist. That's enough. It isn't enough. That, that doesn't mean you're not good enough. I'm saying that if you want to be an artist, there needs to be entrepreneurial programs that go hand in hand with artistry, not just acting schools, for example, that are like, just be a good actor. Just, we're just going to work on craft. If you need a full and complete acting school, what you need or filmmaking school or an art school, you need something that's going to also teach you business. It has to be, they, they go hand in hand. One without the other is ludicrous. It's, it's amazing because, you know, you think about it, like all these, like, like I, I spent so much time in acting, so I'm just going to yeah. r- rip on that a little, but I think about all these actors who don't know how to market themselves. They market themselves like a commodity. And I want to kind of share that any business that's really successful is proprietary, meaning that there is only one. It, it, it offers something unique and special. If you don't know what your unique special thing is, or you don't believe you have anything unique, special, or you think that you can copy other people and that will be okay. You're all you're doing is you're competing in a commodity and in a commodity. Like, let me just give a lesson about business right now. Just, you yeah, know, yeah, and I'm not, away, I, you know, and, and for those business people on the other line, Brandon soapbox of soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> number 19 podcast, number 19. <laughs> soapbox. Here we go. All right. So, um, for those business people who are on the other line, if there are business people, please share and add your insight. I would love that. But my experience of business, what I've learned is that if you're in a commodity business, you deal with clients that compete on price. If people can get it elsewhere, they're just going to try and get it for a lower price somewhere else, which means that you're going to be trying to sell something to people who are grinding. They're trying to get lower money, right? If you are proprietary, you're one of a kind, you have no competitors or very, very few competitors, or you have no competitors, at least in your vicinity or your region, that means that they're with you or they're with nobody. And when you're dealing with that, you're dealing with people that truly want your value that you offer. They're not worried about price. They truly want that value. And now you don't have people trying to grind you and get your, you know, pay you for lower and be like, can you give me a deal on this? And blah, 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 blah. Like, I'll just tell you something about me. If you're going to work with me, I don't, I don't do deals. I don't go, 
Like if you ask me how much my course is, I'm going to tell you zero because it's zero right now. Cause I don't even know if I want to work with you. I do a one of a kind business. I know that nobody in the world offers what I offer. And if you work with me or talk with me, you'll know that. But the thing is, is that that's the kind of business you have to have. And when you're an actor or an artist or a musician, you have to be one of a kind. You have to be something they cannot get anywhere else. I remember hearing the story about the Beach Boys when they came out and they heard their voices and they said, there's nothing like that. That's proprietary. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you were talking about this with the guitar thing, right? Like you can learn from these masters and you can kind of go down, but eventually it's your own voice. It's that your own voice, that proprietary thing. That's what is worth something. Yeah. And I want to make, uh, I want to bring this up in the conversation. Um, because I know that this isn't what you're saying. Okay. Um, uh, but I want to make sure everybody's clear on this. So when, you know, I think that when you're talking about one of a kind, this isn't some sort of an intellectual process of being like, okay, so what is it that I'm going to find myself and slot myself into? No, this is, it's actually about discovering what it is that you do. That's unique. What it is that is inherently kind of about you and how you do what you do and then identifying what that is Mm -hmm. and telling people about that. It's not something like, um, like to, to put this into, into a framework, you know, as far as acting goes, we'll, we'll get, get more into the acting world. But one of the things I discovered about acting is, you know, it was, I had had teachers who te- who'd tell me things like, oh, make interesting choices, you know, like make interesting choices. And honestly, I, I <laughs> and there's part of me that just wants to smack these people for that <laughs> statement in <laughs> retrospect, uh, because, so because it's like, well, what is that? Yeah. What, is, what that? is that anyhow? Right? Like it's, it's almost an, again, another unanswerable question. There's no one, one answer for it. It's a misobservation. It's a misobservation. And the thing is, is that I ended up doing things, you know, I'd put up a scene trying to do something or go to audition and do something because I thought, oh, this, this will be interesting. Yeah. This will be super interesting if I do this. And you go and you do it and it just blows up in your face. Yeah. Completely. Like the moment that it begins, <laughs> you put it into action. It just goes horribly wrong. And it's because you've done it for interesting sake. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to support it. You know, it doesn't actually come from anything. You just did it for its own own thing, which makes it a completely hollow and shallow and, and it just doesn't hold up. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying then is like, this is why I just wanted to make clear. I think this is good. Keep going. Yeah. So it's like it, when you're talking about, it's like what you're, what you're offering that's unique, that's proprietary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's about really identifying that thing that, that actually makes you unique in what you do, because there is, if you are committed into something, into whatever it is, the field that you're doing and you love it and you're passionate about it, I promise you that there's something unique about you in that. Yeah. So find it. Yeah. Figure out what it is. You know what I could say too, is stop trying to be alike everybody else. You know what I mean? Like 
I think we all want to be liked. Uh, not everybody, but for the majority of us, we want to be liked, you know? And so we want to be accepted. We want to be accepted. We want to fit in. We want to be part of the group, right? So what we do is we try to be a like the group. We try to get them to like us by being like them. You know what I mean? Um, or we think if someone else is getting rewards, I'm going to be like them because I'll get rewards too if I'm like them. But that's like, that's, that is against art. You need to, you need to figure out like, okay, you can start to acknowledge how you are similar to other people, but what you actually need to focus on is how are you different? What is it about you that no one else has experienced? Like, um, Matthew Harrison, one of my coaches, he used to say, I want you to answer all these questions about any emotion that you need or any idea or thought. He used to say, what do I know about blank? What do I know about jealousy? What do I know about love? What do I know about friendship? My version of what I know about it is going to be different than what your version is about it. Yet you and I are friends and we both say we're friends. And when you call me friend and I call you friend, we have a different idea and a different relationship to what that is. Beautiful. Yet it seems alike. It isn't actually the same. And so it's not that we need to be alike. It's what we need to figure out if we want to know ourself is what is, what do I know about friendship? And actually, if I really want to know you more, I want to know what do you know about friendship? Not how it's the same as mine, because I already know that if I know myself, what I want to know is, is your idea. Cause that could teach me something that could expand my awareness and whether I agree with it or don't agree with it or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? And I think like when you talk about this whole choice thing, it's like, yeah, it's like choices are not chosen when it comes to this stuff. In a sense, they choose you because you like, by knowing what you like, in a sense, like, just go for it, Brandon, whatever it is you want to say, just uh, go for it. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it, but I'm, I'm saying like, basically you don't, when you choose something, you're choosing it based on your experience of the world. And that's enough. That's all I'm saying yeah. is that you don't need to make a choice and decide whether it's right or wrong, good or bad enough or not enough or whatever. It does. That's irrelevant. You're making it based on your experience. Yeah. So if you make it truthfully, honestly, based on your experience, there is no not enough. That is enough. That is you. That's something, right? But if you go, well, they made a better choice than me. Better? What? Truthful. Think truthful. Don't think better or worse. We talked about this before as well. Don't think about choices as, is it a better choice or a worse choice? Is it a truthful choice? If it's truthful, you know what? Like Marlon Brando did a streetcar named desire 200 times on stage. And there's a uh, write-ups about how some days it was just unbelievably brilliant and it went this way. And other days it was a little bit more lackluster or whatever. But they said the crazy thing about it was every time it was the truth. And there is this thing about the way he did it, which was so truthful. And you know what? If you have any respect for Marlon Brando, or you have any respect for acting today and what it's all about. And I think this transcends to every art go for truth. Stop going for better or worse or whatever, you know, cause truth, you know what? Yeah. Okay. Well, you only get one take on film, your movie of the week, one shot, go do it. Just make it truthful. Who cares? You yeah. know what? It might not be your best choice that you ever could have made, but if it's the truth, we can all connect to that. You know what? And that's enough. That's enough. And you know what? Sometimes if you, and I think it comes down to faith, when you start having faith and trust and belief in yourself, you're going to believe 
that when the time comes, you're going to make the choice that is so profound and beyond what you knew you could do that it will come out. But if you try and force it and make it not going to happen, it's not going to work. A small truth is better than a great big lie. Yeah. That's one of the things, that's one of the things I love to tell people, especially for acting. You yeah, know, it's man. like, you know, in, cause in acting people, you know, actors want to, especially, uh, I won't even say just early on, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of yeah. these things. It's, it's, it's because for, we, we feel that acting is made up of these like big sort of things that suddenly have like these big emotional outpourings, you know, it's like someone cries, someone gets angry, you know, and you know, we, and so we push for this stuff because we think that that's what makes great acting. And it's like, no, it's, it's just truth. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's who, who is truthful in what they did. It's always the, the, it's always one of the funny things to me when, you know, I have, uh, you know, family or friends who, you know, are not part of, you know, the industry and they're not necessarily in an artistic field. Uh, and they'll, they'll comment on acting on a movie or a play that they saw. And they're like, Oh, you know, when he, he said this, like, like this, you know, and he did it like this <laughs> and, and he said it like that, or, or you said this like I this and drink it was your milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah, precisely, exactly, exactly. I have a straw it's, and I drink all drainage, the way. It's drainage, Eli. <laughs> I just watched just There Will a, Be Blood. Oh, man, I've been wanting to watch that again. That's a brilliant performance. <laughs> I watched it again, yeah. Just a brilliant performance. Uh, yeah. And, and, but that's like just, that's exactly what, what I mean. Like, it's stuff like that. And it's like, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. I promise you that actor was not thinking about how they, they were going to say it. That, how they, how that came out of their mouth, how they respond to that. They weren't even thinking about that. No at all. I'm sure of it. You know, I mean, well, were... when you come to like Daniel Day Lewis or something like that, who's arguably one of the best who ever existed, Meryl Streep, Marlon Brando, Daniel yeah. Day Lewis, pretty much anything that those people do, I could basically say Edward Norton. You can basically say like those people, like that's like, if we can all just kind of like, if we look at them and we understand that there's no, there, like when I rewatched, uh, there will be blood. I was, I got to the point with the milkshake and I was like, <laughs> people haven't seen it. They'll laugh at that. I think it'd be weird. But, um, anyway, uh, I got to that point and I, I was like, and I remember there were so many things on like memes and stuff online talk shows about, I drink your milkshake, you know, and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And so I was, I, I was saying it, right. I was like saying it the way he was, I was just kind of doing an exercise with myself as an actor. And I was like, yeah, like I was like testing testing my connection almost to it. And I was like, yeah, like this is what it feels like when I try to do something. And then I was like, if I connect to my truth, like if I connect to my truth about who is this Eli to me, who, what is this, what would it be like to have hated people your whole life basically and build this empire upon spite and you know, whatever. And I started to connect to that. When I say I drink your milkshake for me, it comes out way different than the way Daniel Day Lewis does. And I'm not going to do it right now because I got to get into this emotional thing and I, am not prepared (laughs) and I'm not interested. But my point is, is that the way I do it and the way Daniel Day Lewis does it, it's going to be different regardless. Oh yeah. But the thing is, is I'm not going to be able to compete on him on whether it's better or not. 
but I am going to be able to side with him on how truthful I can get. And he can inspire me to be more truthful. But, and, and again, and we've talked about truth before. Truth is not this thing that everybody knows the same thing. It's my truth. It's my experience, my world, and it's my honest, integral truth to who I am. And as long as that is coming out, it is not, it better not sound like Daniel Day Lewis. Because if it does, that means I'm a carbon copy of someone else. And I don't want that. Well, it's, yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting because I'd, I'd also in, in going through acting school, you know, I was told that, you know, by using certain techniques by, and I won't get into a lot of these techniques that, you know, I don't necessarily use to this day. I've, you know, formed, I have my own opinions of what, and, and knowledge of what works for me and what doesn't. But, you know, at one point there was, I was, heavily being influenced to use a particular technique where I would actually use things from my life, you know, drudge up. It's like, Oh, who was this person to you and make them that person and think about this time in your life and, and bring that up and to get you to this place and this and that. And that's what makes your performance unique. (laughs) And I ultimately dismissed that idea for myself, uh, because I, for me, I believe that like what you're saying, we already have our own unique take on everything. Yeah. Like, let's just try this as an exercise right now. Okay. Okay. Um, you're walking down a path, you see a bench and there is a woman sitting on this bench. She looks up at you. You keep walking. Describe to me my experience. Describe to me. What did you see? Right. How did you see that? Okay. So let me tell you how it looked for me. I was walking down a, 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 like a dirt path. Okay. There was trees around. There was grass. Um, the bench was green and it had like kind of a, uh, or it was brown, sorry. And there was like a green metal kind of, you know, it was wooden, but there was metal like holding it up. Right. The woman had very dark brunette hair. She was probably in her like late twenties, very beautiful, um, well-dressed. Um, when she looked at me, she smiled and I looked at her and I was attracted to her and I walked past. And then the moment I walked past, I thought about if I should go back. That was my experience. So now anyone else who's on the other line, obviously, obviously they can compare their experience. And now mine, not better, not worse, just mine, just, just yours. Mine. Precisely. Right. This is like, this is what I mean. It's like, nobody is going to like, and I put it in very general terms like that, just for that very reason It's mm-hmm. because like, well, we're going to start filling in these details, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah. was like you, you flesh that out in a way. And I, w- and now suddenly I was actually picturing sort of the way that you saw it. Because for me, I had a different, I, I imagined like a, like sort of a, a city park mm-hmm. along a little asphalt pathway. And it was an older woman you know, she looked up and she smiled at me. The bench actually was quite similar, (laughs) but I also pictured a body of water that was sitting around like a lake, uh, and some trees around as well. But like it was, so there's similarities, but there's also some things that are completely different. Like I didn't imagine the woman as being like a, this really attractive woman and, and me wanting to come, come back. 
kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So even though I was the one who was describing it, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's what was going on in my head as I was amazing, right? It. And you know what? Like, okay, so let's just pair this to a whole bunch of things. So All that right. was an act. Like that, we could take that in acting. We could take that in filmmaking. We both had to film that scene. You'd film it that way. I'd film it this way. We could just we. Of course, we could, with a movie, we could say, well, there's all this other context to this story, yeah. right? But let's just say that was a moment where whatever this character, um, how that character relates or whatever, it could be based on that. So it's totally different. A painting, right? Painting would have been different if it was a song, yeah. right? We wrote a song Musically. about this moment. It would be different. This is the beauty of it. And it's not to say one's better or worse. And I think that's the, if, if there's anything, any lesson that I could ever teach an artist, I'd say... Don't ever, even if you're running a business, don't ever compete on better or worse. Compete proprietarily in the sense that this is the one and only kind. And to the degree that you can deliver back value from it, great. I mean, you know, when you're writing a script, for example, I mean, let me get into that for a sec. When you're writing a script, you make choices based on your imagination, but also there's context in your story. Like what would serve this the best? For example, Let's say I had a young male lead in my, uh, in my story, right? And I wanted him to be likable. I wanted, and this is a moment in the story. And I'm writing the scene where he walks past this woman. And I wanted the audience to like him more. I might choose the young, attractive woman to smile at him and for him to kind of come back and be smooth and suave in the way that he kind of picks her up. If, let's say I'm kind of going more for a Bond person, right? But let's say I'm writing a different movie. Let's say I'm writing a movie where we already like the character. I don't need that to be established. But I want him to be kind of an awkward, he's a little bit of a nerd, he maybe doesn't, he's not socially whatever. I might get him to walk past this woman, and it could be the same woman in the same park, in the same situation, but this time, his, our response to this character is much different than the suave Bond character right? And I changed one element in my story. I changed the main dude who's walking through it. If he's Bond or if he's this kind of nerdy, geeky guy or whatever, you know what I mean? So now we have an entirely different story. And this is the beauty of creation. It's like, what choice do I want to go with? What story do I want to tell? You know, there's actually a book, I think it's called Characters. I think it's called something like that or Creating Characters, Creating Characters. That's what it's called. I don't remember the author at the moment, but she writes about how there's these archetypical characters you have. But she basically said there's like four. And I kind of agree with this. She said there's your, essentially your superhero, which is like they're above and beyond what everyone else can do. There's your underdog, which means they're below what everyone else can do. So like, you know, superhero would be any Marvel movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, underdog would be like Rocky, Karate Kid, uh, anything where, um, uh, the theory of everything, you know, any, anything where a character is kind of deemed kind of less than the average, then there's your average character, your average Joe. I would make that maybe someone like who does an extraordinary thing. Potentially that could be like Die Hard. You know, he's, he's an average guy in a sense, kind of doing an extraordinary thing. Big trouble in little China. Yeah, sure. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Um, and, uh, and then the other one was, uh, Oh, man, what is it? I think it's an oddball. It's like a, it's like kind of a, you know, I don't, I don't remember, but there's a fourth type. And right. I think it's kind of the, it's, it's, it's a, it's kind of one that's kind of out there. But anyway, like we could tell the exact same story. And just based on that character archetype that we choose, are they more powerful than everybody? Are they the same as everybody? Or are they lower status than everybody in a sense? Cause they have some physical or right. mental or vocal disability, right? Whatever. 
that's going to be an entirely different story based on those choices. And we're going to have an entirely different antagonist because of it. And we're going to have entirely different whatever. So creative, creatively, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, and that's one of infinite amount of choices you can make with your story. And so once you choose and, and like we could even just change the woman on the bench, we could have the same character, but change the woman on the bench. Yeah. And now we have a different scene, you know, and it's, it's so cool. I mean, it's uh, and, and it's not one's better or worse. My point is, is that one's your truth. One's what the story yeah. that you want to connect to and you want to tell. Yeah, you can, there's so many, there's an infinite number of ways in which this could go. There's, there are, you know, infinite in, combinations, infinite too. combinations. There are infinite nuances that could be incorporated into this, no matter what it is, you know, like whatever your, your medium is. And, and yeah, that's, that's really, for me, it's, it's recognizing that that is within you, mm-hmm. that is within your capability. And so you, the thing is, is that, yeah, you're like, Oh, you could take it. It could be daunting. You know, you look at it, it's like, I have all of these different things that I could do. But it's like, all right, that, so know that it's infinite. So now you get to do what you want to do. Yes. Like what, what the, you want to do, what you want to do, what is the thing that you want to say and what will best say that? Yes. That's, well, let, that's it. Like, let's go back to this initial thing. Good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Like, <laughs> like how does that have any relation to truth? You know, when you start yeah. dealing on the realm of truth, good enough is not even a factor anymore. Like good enough is born of the fact that we're taught. I don't know where this comes from. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's something I'll think about a little bit, but this whole, is this better or worse or who's better or who's worse or whatever. And that's how we come up. I think with this idea of, am I good enough or not? Let me just put this up flat. You're good enough. If you can be truthful, that's what we really care about. And you know what? That has nothing to do whether you're good enough. That just has, that has to do with your courage. That has to do with your willingness to bear your soul. And you know what? If people are getting rewards for that and you're not, you're not being truthful enough. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know what? And I say that sometimes, but at the end of the day, if you are truthful, there are rewards to be had. And if you are being false and you are pretending and you are faking, there is a block between your true self and your success. And it's called your ego and it's called the false identity that you have. So if you think you're not good enough, that's your ego talking. That's your false identity saying you need to be better than who you are because whoever you are is not, not good enough. Your ego doesn't tell the truth. You know what destroys ego more than anything? And actually you helped me with this after we had our last podcast. And I realized this, it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I was like, cause my ego, like, and I'm just going to admit this. My ego is sometimes massive and, and that's not a good thing. Well, that's, that's a, that's a net, that's a, that's a, okay. But hold on. Let, okay, this is my finish, opinion. Finish. <laughs> Let me finish. You can, you can come in, but I think that my ego sometimes is the most biggest block in the world. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm a physically capable person. I'm strong. I'm fast. I'm capable. I'm young. I I'm knowledgeable. I'm aware whatever. When things get in my way, it's usually me. It's not the world. There's nobody who stands in my way. Like it doesn't happen. I can go out and talk to anybody. I'm not scared to, I'm not scared to talk to women. I'm not scared to go for it. I'm not scared to work for 48 hours in a row. Cause I have, you know, I'm not scared to do that. That's done. My ego though, my self identity being good enough, being accepted, being liked, whatever that gets in my way. So what I realized though, after we had talked and we talked a lot about acceptance and being okay with where you are. And I realized truth 
destroys the ego. It literally takes the ego down and it says, you know what? And I had this dream afterwards. I'm going to tell you this. I had this dream. It's crazy. You shook. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I got chills. You, right? I got chills. I had this dream. Okay. Now listen, there's this person in my life, right? And I think that this person, I, you know, I was thinking about like, it, it had nothing to do with this person other than I think they, they, they resembled my ego in this particular dream. That's what I think. But they were scowling at me and doing all this negative stuff. And I was in this social environment and it was kind of interesting, but I grabbed them. I grabbed them by the shoulder really hard and I looked them in the eye and this person, I like their, I think my relationship with them is they exemplify my ego, my need to be successful, my need to do whatever, my need to whatever, my need to compare myself. And I grabbed them and I looked them in the eye and I think ultimately this was me by the way, but I looked myself in the eye in a sense and I said, I'm more powerful than you. And I saw that I saw the fear in its eyes, in their eyes. And I said, and I woke up that morning and I went, that's it. That's, that's it. The truth. You know what? This whole thing about who I think I need to be, it's irrelevant because you know what? My truth just cuts through all of that. Absolutely. And, and when I share this stuff and I like when we're on this podcast and I share what's really going on for me, like I had a, I had a coaching call with someone the other day and I told them some of my truth. They said, thank you. They said, I, I, it means so much to me that you shared your truth with me. Cause I look at you as this person who's just got everything figured out. It's all perfect for you all the time. And I want to be that. And I go, you know what? It's interesting. Cause even if I'm more knowledgeable and I'm helping you with this area, I'm like, I struggle too in the same way. And it's like, I want you to know we're in this together. And you know what? I'm, and, and one day I don't, I don't ever, ne- I don't necessarily want to be the person that knows more than you about this topic. That's not what it's for me, but what I like is that you connect with the truth and I realize the truth. That's what we care about. Yeah. You know? Anyway, that, that was a huge realization for me. You helped me a lot with that. Well, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that. <laughs> I mean, no, and, and, and I, I love it. You put it so simply and, and yeah, the, the truth, the truth destroys the ego because the ego can't, can't come up to come up with a defense for it. No. And, and you're right. The ego and for the most part, we, and when you say we get in our way, when people say that, it's like, Oh, I'm just getting in my own way. It's like, yeah, it's, it's an ego thing, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's been so interesting because this has been a topic that we've, we've been on a lot. I know this is some, and it's something that I've been actively, uh, learning about in the last couple of months learning about what this thing is, because the ego was always something that I thought of as being, you know, just this, it was like this, oh, it's, it's, a, it's being prideful and arrogant and this and that. It's like, oh man, that's, that's doesn't even come close like to what an ego is <laughs> like, yes, it does somewhat to a degree talk about it, but everybody, everybody suffers from ego. And that was what, when you were talking, I was like, that's, that was the part that I wanted to jump in on was it was like, oh, everybody, everybody has a huge ego. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm, call, I'm calling yeah. everybody. It's who's, like, and there's who's nothing, even to compare. Who's I mean, even how am I just, I mean, even, even my experience of it, when I say I have a huge ego, I don't know what anyone else's ego is like. I don't know what anyone's self, you know, image is. It, it really, I mean, you know, that's not what it's about. I mean, I think that we're so focused on ourselves, which clearly I am focused on myself in this scenario, right? But 
not that that's a bad thing. And I, I don't want to even compare my ego. Who has a bigger ego? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, who cares? You know what? Let's just tell the <laughs> truth. And let's fucking, like, let's let this thing kind of, like, sit on the sidelines and kind of watch. You know what I mean? Um, I think that, yeah. Uh, yeah, the truth. And I'm, the truth. And to bring this back to where we started this podcast. Great. With we want to find joy as opposed to avoidance of, of pain. Hmm. And I feel like there's actually some interesting similarities in here. I mean, joy is truth. Joy is the truth of what we are and what we are in the world. Mm -hmm. And the ego is this avoidance of harm. Mm. Yeah, it is. I mean, you, you know, that, that, that is ultimately uh, in my experience. That's what I find it to be. I mean, yeah. I mean, who are we to say I, I, and it's actually really a wonderfully liberating thing to be like, I don't really know if I know anything about anything. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's great. Like, it's really, it's really quite wonderful to just be able to say like, yeah, I, I don't know anything for sure. Because the wonderful thing about that is that I feel like everything is so open. Yeah. And when you can say that, it's just like, well, I don't know anything for sure, but that means I can, I can take everything in. I can take anything in. I can, I can change how I look at something. You know, I can say something like this for now and say like, okay, well, this is what I know now, what I, what I believe. But if something comes along and guaranteed something will always come along we're constantly learning new things. We're constantly rewriting our history books and mm-hmm. rewriting our, our laws of the universe because we discover new things. And mm-hmm. we say, it's like, okay, remember that thing that we all accepted as being the truth before? The world's flat. Evan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We well, were, everyone accepted yeah, that at one point. Yeah. Come I on. mean, it's some people, Hey, some people are actually, there's been a resurgence and people, people believe like, it is the actually world is flat. flat. Yeah. Well, maybe, I don't know. May, uh, I've never been in space. I've never looked at the earth. I've, I, I basically trust the pictures they send me. Yeah. Where <laughs> <laughs> they show me, right? Yeah. What if the government's plan is like to convince us that it's round and they're like, actually people can fall off the edge. We just, that's why we don't fly, you know, east to west. We only fly. <laughs> Because <laughs> we don't know what's going to so happen. Bizarre. <laughs> I'm but, just kidding. You know, well, like for for one thing, I remember learning in high school. You know, they said that um, people traveled across the um, people tra- travel across the land bridge. There was a land bridge that basically connected like what is now Russia and like Alaska, yeah. or something. And that's how people got, got here. And I remember seeing a documentary where basically now they're saying like, yeah, no, most of the community is pretty much convinced that that's not how it happened at all. It's like, that was in my textbook. Yes. <laughs> that yes. was in my high school textbook. Yeah. Well, and now they're saying it's like, no, it's probably not true. Well, and you know what? The thing about <laughs> that is it's not bad that you learn that because basically though, it needs to come with the caveat of this is the best information we have at the time. Like the dinosaurs died because they say a meteor hit and it created a whole dust cloud or something. And I don't know. You know what? My teacher, actually, I don't know if I was a critical thinker or I was just a rebellious kid. I'm not really sure. But my teacher at the time, we were like, man, we we're so young. I don't know. It's like grade school. It was like grade three or four, I don't know, whatever, maybe, I don't know, five, I don't know what it was, but they said, 
do you believe a meteor hit the earth and, and killed off all the dinosaurs? And every single kid in my class argued that, yes, that's what happened. And I was the one kid that said, no, it didn't happen that way. Not you always be- got to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, I got to be a pain in the ass. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but I was like, I remember thinking like, that was ridiculous. To me, I just thought the whole idea was ridiculous. I was like, uh, you know, and, and anyway, it could have happened that way. I don't know. But the point is, is that we don't know. Like, yeah. like, this is like, how many millions. We don't even know if it was as many millions of years ago for sure. Yeah. Like there's nothing. We don't really know so many things for sure. Yeah. We don't know. And it, you know what? It's like, the thing is, is like this need to know is all, I think based on safety and security. Cause we're at least yeah. just want to avoid fear. But I mean, I think this is still, I, I, cause I want to make sure that we, we keep this all tied in. Okay. Tied to what's in, going tied in. in. Yeah. And it's just like, well, okay. So if, if we can jump onto this idea that, you know, nothing is for certain that we don't know anything for certain. However, we act from a place of all, like, as if everything is for certain. Yeah. So if to tie this back into, into joy, it's like, well, okay, all of these fears that you're having, all these things that are trying to control it to make sure that you get the outcomes that you want and this and that, you don't know any of that for certain. You don't know for sure that this, that doing this and doing this and doing this is going to get you that. You know, you don't, you don't know that doing this and this and this is going to get you that. You don't even, like, you could do this and this and it might get you something completely different. But you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You just don't know. So be truthful. Yeah, be truthful. At the, at the end of it, just be truthful and do the thing that you love to do. And there's not going to be any guaranteed results. And there's not even saying that what you're doing is, is, is the truth in whatever your creative thing is. Like we're talking about this, but yeah, the truth that we don't know. But the thing is, is that if you act on what you believe to be true, in what you create in the world, then no matter what, you can always stand proud of what you've done because you can say, yeah, like, you know what, this didn't like, I didn't get this result from this, but you know what? I said this and that's still important to me. Or maybe you put something out there and then now you've changed your mind about it, but Mm -hmm. you go, you know what? I thought that at the time I really did, Mm -hmm. you know, but now I know that I was, I, I misunderstood that and that's okay. Yeah. Like what, like this is the thing. There's all these consequences that we've manufactured that we've manufactured for, for if, if this goes this way or if this goes that way and all it does is it impedes you. It stops you from, from doing your joy. Yeah, it does. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, like, you know, all, all this stuff that we're coming into because with the ego, like, <clears throat> you know, and I kind of mentioned the whole idea of something that I wanted to discuss a little bit, which was the whole endless motivation, you know, and endless motivation, like, I mean, motivation is, is somewhat infinite. I mean, if you, if you're alive, you're pretty motivated, you know, like, you, you, I think you just have to be because like, you know, 
you're, you're, you have this body that's a, that's a burning engine. It's just always going. Even when you're sleeping and you kind of go into shutdown mode, it's still always going. You're burning calories, just standing here, sitting here, doing whatever you're doing. You, you know, your body is in a motivated physical state, right? And so then you take that, there's already like, and they say, you know, emotion, energy, and motion, right? There's always something going on. You're always feeling something and it's always in motion. And you know what? Um, the only things that persist really are the things we resist, re- resist, right? Yeah. They, they, but the thing is, is like, with, if you think about that, your body's always trying to, your body's motivating, your body's doing this thing, but vision and okay so you take this fear and whatever right so there's when i think of joy i it, it, i i i've learned to kind of closely connect it with vision i find that you know like when i was uh um working out and i was at my peak you know my peak of working out i'm i'm doing pretty good but when i was at my peak i remember um, and, and I connect to this as much as I can, but at the time it was really, really important to get my body to a certain level. And I remember working out and doing more sit-ups, doing more push-ups, doing more bench press, doing more whatever. And I remember I would see the vision of who I wanted to, how I physically wanted to be. And when I focused on that, it didn't matter what the pain was. It didn't matter. It was all just like, let's just get as close to that as we can today. You know, that's it. But when there's days sometimes where I go to the gym and this happens occasionally, um, you know, when, you, when I get confused, I, I, I think of it as like when I get a little disconnected from vision and I start thinking about, ah, you know, I'm tired today. Ah, this is painful. Ah, whatever. And, you know, I don't push as hard. I don't do it, whatever. But, you know, joy, like when I'm focused on that vision of where I want to go and I'm kind of like letting the moment kind of, and I see the value and how the moment's getting me there there is this infinite motivation. There's this kind of infinite joy to it all, you know? Um, why don't we, why don't we, since you're opening it, why don't <laughs> we uh, just talk about this beer? It's delicious. And I've been wanting to talk about it. All right. For the whole freaking talk. Oh, wow. All yeah, right. I, I really, really what? like this one. Tell me you what it is. Find... This is the Weizenbach. Oh, German. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Weizenbach from uh, our good friends at Steel and Oak. Oh. And uh, this was a new variety I saw up on the menu. It is a strong beer. Really? We're operating... I honestly didn't notice. We're operating uh, 7.5%, I wow. believe, on this bad boy. I'm and a proud Canadian right now because I feel that I've handled this beer quite well. <laughs> it is... Um, it is extraordinarily, um, like it's definitely mouthy. That's for sure. I won't use mouthfeel because <laughs> I don't uh, like that word. I don't like mouthfeel. <laughs> Only when you're making fun of the word mouthfeel. Mouthfeel. Do you like del- the word mouthfeel? It is great mouthfeel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's really rich. Yeah. It's, but it's extraordinarily smooth. It's really like, I don't know about you, but I'm finding that it's super tasty. Like, this has been, oh yeah, this has been honestly, like out of all the beers we've had, like, I mean, there's a lot of beers that you, like you said, the other, uh, one of the podcasts we had, it's not that the, any of the beers we have have not been great, but there's some that just stand out. Yeah. This is one of my standout beers. This one, yeah. I, honestly, I'm like, I'm enjoying it so much. I'm just like, 
I don't want this podcast to stop simply because <laughs> I want to keep drinking beer. <laughs> but we've reached the end of the growler. Yeah. But that's okay. We still have beers in our hands. We so sure do. We're still doing okay. As long as you got beer in your hand, well, how hard can life really be? Exactly. You know, um, uh, I was thinking about these podcasts too in length and stuff like that. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe they're long. I, I, I don't know. But you know what? The way I look at it is they need to be as long as they need to be. You know, I don't, I like, I don't really give a shit to be honest. If someone's like, Hey, podcasts are too long, you know, <laughs> tune up. <laughs> if you, if people could only see the face, it was like, apparently Robert De Niro is listening to our podcast and he, and he thinks like- it's too long. <laughs> too, hey, hey, Brandon, Evan, your podcast, they're great, but they're too freaking long. <laughs> I don't have time for them today. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, De Niro came there, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't really care. You know what? I, the way I look at it is we need to talk as long as we need to talk. And as much as this is for everybody else, this is much for me. And yep. you know what? I, I'm unapologetic about that because the way I look at it is, um, I thought about this a lot. You know, I thought I'm going to get a little deeper here, but I thought about what if, what if one day one of us just died? <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm going to roll with you on this. <laughs> roll with it. All right. I know we got so funny and then I got deep, right? But listen, what if one of us died? I mean, this podcast is the Brandon and Evan show. It's you and me having conversations. And I just had this thought. I was like, well, and the, it, one day that's going to happen probably based on what we know. I mean, maybe not. Maybe we'll teach, figure out how to yeah, or live may- forever. Or but. maybe we'll die Thelma and Louise style. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be, pod- cliff we'll be podcasting off of a cliff. <laughs> hey, wow. we're about to die! I went deep, you went dark. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought but, I went comical, but yeah, anyhow. Yeah, well, you know, interpretation, right? Yep. Keep your experience to yourself. <laughs> anyhow, continue. So this one, this could, this is a potential. This is most likely, this is going to happen. Well, yeah. So, I mean, one day, whatever, but you know, the thing is, is I was thinking about it. I was like, well, um, do I ever want to leave one of these conversations feeling like we never talked it out the way we need to talk it out? And is there anything else that's more important than this to me right now? Like, honestly, while we're having these talks, I find that I don't really, nothing else is more important. This is the most important thing to me in the world right now. Like, and when I'm, and we've talked a lot about being in the moment in this conversation. And I think about that, like when we are podcasting and we're doing this talk, even when we've done it without podcasting, it is literally the most important thing to me in the world at this moment. And I think, well, you know, I don't think we look at life that way. And I know that myself, I don't, I look at this podcast that way, but I don't always walk away from this podcast and look at every other element in my life that same way. And if anything that I've learned from this podcast and doing this with you, Evan, is that if I can take the same way that I'm being right now with you into everything else I do in my life consistently, persistently, honestly, I believe that everything that I ever truly wanted or the fullness of my life, regardless of how long it is, will be totally fulfilled. And I think that I've spent a lot of my life um, looking at, oh, what'll happen if I do this? Or what if I don't get this done in time or blah, blah, blah. Or like, you know, if I never add up to be this person or, you know, or I messed up in the past and like now I'm living with that and this monkey on my back or whatever, you know, 
when I'm in this moment, I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. And it's like, you know what? None of that stuff really even matters. But you know what's funny is like, I, I think about it someday and I think, well, like one day people might look at us as some kind of authority, you know, like some kind of whatever. And they go, oh, those guys, you know, they're like, and I, I just, I just think of myself as like, I, I, I'm in the trenches with y'all, you know? Yeah. We're in this together. And I don't look at it as like, whatever. And just cause we have the mic and we've decided to talk and figure out how to put this together. I just go, you know what? man, these, this is all that matters. All that matters is like, what are you doing right now? Yeah. And, and just do it a hundred percent. Then, you know, that's, that's enough. There's no, like the only way that I look at myself now, like in, in this perceptual shift that I've started to have is like enough is not something that someone else qualifies for me. Enough is like, was I a hundred percent committed to the moment in which ever, whatever I was doing, have it be with the relationship I'm in, the podcast I'm doing, the blog I'm writing, the script I'm writing, the acting scene I'm in, the painting I'm doing, whatever. But if I'm doing it a hundred percent, who could ever fault me for that? You know, because life is short. You know, I lost one of my best friends. He was 21 years old. He had gotten his degree. He just got accepted into film school. It was the most important thing to him in his life to be in film school and car accident. I got a call, he got T-boned and he died pretty much instantly. 21 years old, had the same birthday that I did, but a couple years older than me. And it hit me so hard. I was like, just shocked. And I remember there was times afterwards where I would scroll through my phone through people to call and I'd want to call him and I would have this realization that he's not there anymore. And I think about that and I go, well, when we were at his funeral, I stood up and they got me, you know, they asked me if I wanted to say something. And I said, you know, his name was George. And, uh, there was a lot of times where we, we, he loved movies. I loved movies. And, uh, he would say, <clears throat> I'd call him up and I'd say, Hey man, you want to go see a movie? And he'd be like, oh, I'm a little busy. I'm blah, blah, blah. I said, no, we're going to see a movie. Let's go see a movie. And I said, it's true. And I said, you know, it makes me, I get emotional about it. Cause I think, uh, you know, I said, I'm so glad that I was the kind of person that said, no, we're going to see a movie. There's, we're not too busy for each other. And he would say, okay, we're going to see a movie. And I think, fuck, like if I never did that, I would have lost all of those times with him. You know, we just never would have had that. And so when I think of this podcast, I just go like, I could be gone, you could be gone or whatever, but you know what? It's like nothing was ever in my way. When we did this, we did it, we did it full out. And you know what? If that, if there's one day where it's the end, I'm going to go, you know what? I can be fulfilled in the fact that I never cut it short because I was worried about what other people thought about me or they thought about our podcast or they thought about anything else. I was in the moment. And if I could, if, if maybe that's an inductive experience for everyone else, or maybe everyone else can kind of spare from that. And I go, well, just do it hundred percent. Cause you know what? Life could be over. Cause who gives it, who gives a rat's ass? what you have to do tomorrow or how early you got to get up for work. Big deal. Do life now. It's happening now. Do it full out. No one can ever fault you for that. You're tired in the morning. Be, be like, love that. Love that you're tired in the morning because you did something full out the night before. Even if you partied, I look at that and go, you know, that's what it's about. You know, that's what life is about. It's about this hundred percent person showing up like, you know, this is me and I'm here and I'm doing it, you know? And you know what? Maybe you don't become this big thing, but you did life a hundred percent. Isn't, you know, that's fulfillment in my opinion. 
Because I think, you know, there's too many times in life where I've done it at 50% or 90%, which is worse than 50%. Yeah. It's worse because you know what? I didn't give my all. It's much better to go 100%. And you know what? Be like, I gave every ounce, every little iota of every little bit that I had in me. And I did it, you know? And you know what? It wasn't enough for you. That doesn't matter because it's all I got, you know? And that's, that's the thing. I think that's I, like, I, 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 I don't know. I think about this stuff and I go, that's what we got to do as artists. You know, if we can all inspire each other to be like that and it takes someone standing up and saying that, you know, I get emotional about it, but I think about George and I go, God, that guy, like he did his degree, you know, he got into film school. He, he, he did it. You know, he, he, he was the kind of guy that he put everything out there. You know, I think like, you know, you lose people in your life and they give you a gift. They give you a gift because I go, what if I never knew him? You know, and I knew him and I knew a guy, in my opinion, that no one, it, no one, no one told him to do it. And, it, and, and from what I knew about him, he just did it because he loved it because he thought, yeah, I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to go to film school. I'm going to do this thing. In life, for whatever reason, he's crossing an intersection and life just is over. You know? And I, and I, I don't know what happens after you're gone in this world, but if there's anything after this, I hope he looks back and I hope, you know, if he was watching me and he said, you know, man, I respect that. You've taught me to go full out in my life. And if anything... You know, uh, I apologize to myself. I apologize for not going full out and everything, you know? Anyway, I don't know. I, I don't know why I get into this thing, but I was thinking about this podcast and how important it is to me. And I think like, this is a, this is a good thing we started, at least for me, because I can go, well, this is one thing I do in my life where I do it a hundred percent. It's teaching me in other areas of my life to do it at a hundred percent. Since we started doing it. I mean, even since before we started the podcast, since we started these talks, you know, that when we're in them, I'm like, these are, these are the moments, you know, these are, this is like a, this is an example of how to do it. You know? Um, I don't know. I didn't even mean to get into all that, but I did. <laughs> that was, that was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. I'm glad that you shared that. And in fact, I think you should record this and you should document that. That's a, that was actually, I was like, you know, this would be a fantastic monologue. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah. Truly. Go back to it. It's like some real Shanley type shit right there. Um, <laughs> it probably but is. really wonderful. Um, um, and yeah. you had said something in there. And, I'm, and what you're saying is like how this is important. And, and you know, that, that, that shifted something in me when you said that. Like it, it brought something tangible to me in that, you know, we talk about like, and some people are like, Oh, be present, be present. Well, what does that mean? Like how, how is someone present? And, and I think you, you've lent me just a very interesting perspective on that. And that's just like, you know, this might seem to some people, they might be like, Oh, screw you. You guys are doing a podcast. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is so important. This is so important. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, well, it is important. It is important. Because that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. That's what we have chosen to do right now. That And right now, this moment is the only moment that we have. 
like any other moment in our lives, whether you're going for coffee with a friend or you're, you know, riding the bus to work or you're, you know, in an argument with, you know, a family member or, you know, a spouse, whatever, that is the moment that you are in, which makes it the most important moment in your life. That makes it the most important thing to you because it's the, the only thing that's actually happening. Yeah. You know, so this, this is like, I don't know. There's, it was just something about how you've put that where I'm just like, that's wonderful. That's just so, that's just so terrific. And there's, and, and there's so much to be learned from that. There's so much joy in that. It's like, yeah, no, like no matter, like, you know, I, I think of, of times when, you know, I've gone out to some sort of a social engagement or some sort of thing that I was just like, Oh, I don't want to go to this, you know? (laughs) And there I am. And I'm just being a big mopey dick. (laughs) Mopey dick. There's a movie there somehow. (laughs) Um, and and just, you know, being in, in this, you know, stupid place of feeling just like bad about myself because, you know, I feel like I'm a victim somehow because I'm at this thing that I don't want to be at. It's like, well, you're there. You're there. Yeah. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing in your life right now. Mm-hmm. And it's precious. Enjoy it. Yeah. Freaking enjoy it for whatever it has to offer whatever it has to offer. I went to this weird, um, concert like a few weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine who is a a wonderful musician, uh, Sam Davidson, he's going to be doing a tour. He's a terrific jazz musician, but he does a show once a year called uh, space melt with a bunch of other musicians. And it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. (laughs) It was one of the weirdest, um, performing arts, things that I, there was visual artists and there's musicians and they were all doing stuff at the same time, all improvised and extraordinarily bizarre. And it was like, I, I, I I hit a point where I just went, you know what? This is not necessarily something I would, I would watch every day. (laughs) Definitely not. But I'm here and I'm, I'm participating in this thing. I'm watching this and there was actual audience participation. And I just went like, screw it. I'm here. This is what I'm doing right now. Mm. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. Even if it's something that you don't even necessarily like, you can still enjoy it, mm-hmm. which is kind of a weird thing. You know, like I, I don't know how that works precisely, but there is, there is joy to be found in every single moment of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, you, when you remove the ego, like, cause I mean, I think the thing is, is like when I, I, I was trying to, I was trying on that whole idea of, uh, being, being at a party and not really wanting to be there or whatever. Right. And like, there's these times where you know, sometimes I get in my head and I'm like, oh, I don't want to socialize right now. And you know, everybody's like, you know, sometimes in the industry, and I'm sure that people can relate to this. It's like, what are you working on? What are you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I've been on this show and this movie of the weekend, blah, 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 blah. And it's all this talk. And it's, I'm like, great. You know, it's all good. And there's sometimes where 
I just don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is, is stuff that I really care about. Like, Hey, I'm doing this podcast. One of my best friends. Hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, you know, what's been going on recently is I've been thinking a lot about who I am as a person, you know, and, uh, I've been going on a lot of nature walks or whatever. Right. And I think that sometimes, you know, there's, uh, this expectation I put on myself, that's my ego. It's like, Oh, I need to tell everybody about this movie I'm making and blah, blah, blah. And the scripts that I'm writing. Yeah. And you know what? I might be writing those scripts. Like, you know, what? like we haven't actually talked anything about the scripts that I'm writing. You know what I mean? We could talk all day about that. I could be like, I'm writing these scripts and I'm so great and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, like that's, that's a great part of my life. Don't get me wrong. I, I am totally 100% truthfully grateful about that. But I think the reason why I don't really talk about it a lot is because, um, for me, it's like, yeah, but yeah, that's great. I mean, but the thing is, there's so much more to life than just these scripts I write, you know, actually sometimes what's more important than the script that I write is this moment I had with my cat, (laughs) (laughs) where I was uh, like, for example, you know what, whatever, it's already been an emotional podcast for me. So I'm just going hundred. But I, I would say like, there's a moment I remember I came back from an acting class that I was in and it hit on some hard stuff. It just hit on some, like, like who are you angry at? What are you sad about? What are you disappointed some about? Some real open wounds, some stuff that was very open at the time, you know? And I remember I sat down on the edge of my bed. It was, uh, sitting there and I, and I was just thinking about it. I just came home and I live on my own. And, uh, I, I just kind of leaned down for a second and all of a sudden the, the waterworks and the emotions just like, boom, they just hit me. I was like, holy crap. Like I never even realized I felt this much about everything, you know? And you know, these, these things, it might sound silly to someone else, but it's really interesting. You know, I have a, I have this little cat and he's like, he watches me everything I do. And, he, and it's interesting cause he, he, he was kind of standing off the side and then he saw me get emotional and he came over and he just kind of like, you know, kind of like rubbed himself against me and kind of like cuddled in. And then he does, he'll like sit in my lap and he'll like, look at me. And I was just like, you know, life's pretty fucking great. And I just thought life's pretty fucking great. You know, I, I have, I have this little fucking cat <laughs> that's willing to like fucking try and come over here and comfort me when I'm feeling whatever. And I'm like, you know, that's all life needs to be. That's that, you know what? Like, like what, 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 like, and I thought in that moment, I thought, I don't need to be anybody. I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be wealthy. I don't need any of this stuff. Life's pretty fucking amazing right now as it is. And I think that's the thing is like joy comes out of these moments. And I, and I, tr- I, I look back at that moment. I felt truthfully joyful beyond, beyond just really like, you know, there's probably moments in my life where I could say we're like that, but that that was one of those moments, you know? And it's, it's an extraordinarily beautiful moment. And I feel like with what we're talking about is it's so wonderfully relevant to it because, you know, sometimes it's these weird little things like that. And you even said it yourself, the truth completely can destroy all that stuff. You know, here you are, you're, you're in a place where you, a lot of these things that happened, I'm, I'm assuming, yeah, you're telling no, me, all these right. things, these, 
these things from your past, yes. probably that that were that were drudged up and now have hit you. And and this moment with your cat, <laughs> I know it's so cats, crazy. which are absolute masters of the present moment. Oh, yes. just watch a cat and you'll just be like, whoa, those those animals just like are so like just all about what's happening in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, and for and for your cat to just come and just actually give you this reminder of this truth and how all of it just completely went away. It did. You're it right. It just completely dismantled all of it. It's yeah. extraordinary. It is pretty extraordinary. It's like, how do you explain that? I know. Exactly. How, do you, how do you explain it? I mean, if you saw that, you know what, if I saw that in a movie, that would probably be pretty moving to me. I mean, you know, there's the whole thing they can talk about. And if anyone who's a filmmaker knows this whole concept of the cat in the window, where they cut to a cat in the window to kind of go, oh, a cat, you know, <laughs> right? But there's these moments where, like, um, animals do things in movies, and I think they, it really moves us, you know? And, and that was, like, one of those moments where it seems so silly and so whatever, but if you were to capture that on film, you know, it would be one of those moments where you go, this is beautiful. And nothing needs to be said. You know, it's like literally the direction of the script is the guy sits on the edge of the bed. He leans down, the emotions come, the cat, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And people could like look at that moment in a movie and it would be magical in the movie. You know what I mean? And you think like, this is happening in real fucking life. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like this just happened. You know what I mean? Like, and so the truth, right? My truth, the fact that I love this little cat and that I had this life experience and that I was there and whatever. And it's like, that's, that's, that's the thing we're trying to tap into as artists. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know what? I think about that, like, okay, I'm not a painter and I'm not a musician and I'm not a lot of things, but from an artistic perspective, I go, imagine someone painted that picture of the cat in the, in the lap of the guy. And they had all of that context in the painting, but they never told anyone what the context was, but they painted it because they were like, I'm going to paint this moment in life. If I was a great painter, I, if I had that ability, I might actually attempt to do it, but who knows? Maybe I still will. But, um, but basically like, I think that's that whole bit of truth, like focusing on like, there was this moment in my life where I'm going to paint this picture. It's not about, is this picture going to be sold for a million dollars? Is everybody going to love it? I'm going to be the next best great artist, which is all ego, ego, ego. It's about the truth. There is this moment in life that I thought was beautiful and I wanted to capture it somehow, you know? And I think when, when it comes to film and it comes to painting and music, it's about, it's, it's kind of about capturing the truth. You know what I mean? Whereas like doing a play well, writing a play is a bit about capturing it, but doing it as an actor is a bit about letting go of the truth. I actually stumbled across this as I was talking, um, but I feel like there's, there's two things artists do. We either capture the truth or we let it go. And we kind of do this like either way, you know, we kind of go either like if you're writing it, you're almost letting it happen. And then you're kind of capturing it as you do. You don't even know you're capturing it. It's not like you're trying to capture it, but you end up capturing it almost accidentally. And then when you're doing like theater or you're painting and you're almost like, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to try this thing out. Or I'm going to play this song. You're, you're letting it go. You're like, and it's this kind of capturing and letting go almost. I'm starting to see like, cause 
you know, if you, if you're trying to capture, if you're trying to actively consciously capture, you're probably doing it wrong. And if you're trying to let it go, you're probably doing it wrong. You need to almost like let go of all that. And that's kind of what happens. You know what I mean? Cause I think that's kind of what happens. Like I was telling, I was talking about, and I think on our last podcast, I was talking about this rift I was playing on the guitar and it kind of was really beautiful and it worked out. I wasn't, I never recorded it. I never did anything, which would have been the capturing of it. And maybe I should have recorded it. I actually still kind of remember the chord combo yeah. that I did so I could capture it, but I was letting whatever go that was inside of me. And through letting it go, there was something to capture. You know what I mean? So it's like what I'm seeing just in this moment, and this is like not something I've thought about, but I'm just kind of literally ha- this is happening as we go. But I'm like, yeah, by letting it go, you almost have something to capture, you know, in, in the sense that you can stop space and time for a moment. And that's what art is. It's like in this moment, we can kind of go and then it can almost last forever because it's been captured in a sense that it can be shared. This moment can be shared forever. That the moment was acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes I don't think it matters if it's captured or not. Like, I mean, cause you and I, like, you know, I just shared about my friend, right? It's been captured on this podcast so other people can hear it, but had it not been captured, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah, you're not saying that it, it, it doesn't to matter, be- but it, it doesn't matter in the sense that like of whether it was captured or, or whether it was recorded or not. It doesn't if matter. If I said that to be captured, that would be a problem. I think, if right. I, if I, but I just let it go. I just let myself go to communicate to you. Right. But I if I you. did it because I'm like, Oh, I'm on a podcast. I better get emotional. <laughs> it's like, that would be that. I think yeah. that's the thing we're trying to like, kind of, um, Anyway, I don't know how far we got off topic because we've been talking about motivation, joy, and the... Yeah, I mean, we the, started off with, uh, we started off with but talking I feel like about, this is on about topic, joy versus right? avoidance of pain, you know, and, um, you, you know, I feel like we're probably hit around that, uh, that time where... Yeah, it's time to wrap it up. Time to wrap it up, so... Closing points? Closing points. Um, you know, for... This has been such an interesting one. I've really en- enjoyed. I mean, I enjoy all of our talks, but I've I've really enjoyed this one. Um, much like the beers that we have, <laughs> you know, there's never been a bad one, but yeah. you know, some are some stand out. Some stand out, and I think this one's going to stand out for me. Uh, you know, th- this whole thing about truth and joy. I love this connection that's been established on this, on this one, you know, that how Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're quite related to each other and, and the importance of, 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 you know, presence and, and, and to do what, what you do without any concept of what am I getting out of it and to work from a deeper place, to work from a place of, of truth and, I don't know. This was such a, such a great one. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to sometimes wrap these all up and, and to just bring it down to a couple of points because, you know, so much of, of what these talks are is, you know, it's like you're watching the process as well as the product Mm -hmm. in many ways, like all at the same time. So it's like, ah, it's like, how do you, you know, it's like, it's, it's like you were talking about before, you know, when, you know, I've given, you know, performances before, you know, that, you know, 
family and friends have seen and they've said like, oh, well, like, you know, there was this moment when you did this and there was this moment that you did that. It's like, and that's wonderful. That's great. But it's just like, there's so much that went on underneath it that in many ways is more important than what you saw. Yeah. That, that actually, no, I won't, it is more important than what you saw because it couldn't have been without all of that. Right. You know, it couldn't have existed. So I don't just tell the truth and find joy because if, if you're not, if you're not feeling joyful in what you're doing, then there's some sort of, there's some, there's some sort of error that's occurred in turn, whether that, I don't know what that error might be. Most likely it's an error in the way that you're, you're looking at it. Um, or maybe it isn't what you're doing. You know, maybe you are doing something that isn't truthful. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, I guess this truth and joy connection is really what keeps coming is, is surfacing back up again. You know, it's like, tell the truth. That's where you find your joy, find yeah. the truth in you and you'll find your joy and commit to that. Make yeah. that the most important thing to you in your life because everything else everything else is just window dressing and everything else will come with it with, with your, with your vigilance for the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's really great, man. I, I like that idea that you put forth there at the end too, about window dressing. I really feel like the ego is like that. It's like window dressing. It's like, I want to attract you to me so that you can kind of like, like what I look like and you know, whatever. And I think that the, I don't think the ego is all bad in the sense that I get that, you know what? It's there function. Is a, it has a function. It's about marketing and presenting yourself and, you know, and, and whatever. And I think that that in a sense is, is all right. I mean, it's, uh, you know what? I, like, I don't, I don't want to look at the, I don't want to leave this conversation saying the ego is bad, you know, like, but I want to look at it as like, let's just keep this little baby in check. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause like, I just know for myself, like, there's certain ways in which it's motivated me, it's driven me and it's done certain things for me. So it's served me. But I think the thing is, is that when it starts to take control in a very destructive way is, you know, tell the truth, just, just tell a truth. That's, it's probably a place of humility. It's probably something you don't want to admit. It's probably something that breaks the ego apart. It goes against the image you've created and whatever you do, don't, don't persist don't persist the lie that it wants you to, that he wants you to believe that you need to compare yourself to be better or worse than anyone else. It's not about that. Like when you level, like, I think that if I could leave anyone with anything is just, I'd say this, don't compete on better or worse, compete on truthful and how committed you are to this moment. You know, like, uh, in this podcast, the, the big, the big thing I'm going to take away from this is that, you know what, I want to leave this podcast and I want to start doing everything in my life to the best degree that I possibly can. hundred percent. I want to be in it fully doing this thing right now and not needing to be anything other than this. And you know what, I'm going to see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be an experiment. And you know what? Some people might not like what they see, but at least I'll be, I'll be me, you know, and then I can improve me. But this yeah. ego thing, I always have to like present it, you know, and I just, I go, well, okay, you know, I, like, let's, let's just try. Let's like, I'm not going to say that you're going to, you know, 
solve the whole, yeah. I'm not going to solve the whole issue in a, in, in, in a moment, but, but I would say, yeah, okay. Well, truth. I mean, truth. I don't know. Like who can, who can fault you for being a hundred percent committed to the moment and being truthful? I mean, who can fault you for that? So that's, that's what I'd say. Whatever you want to do, be a hundred percent. Just try to be a hundred percent in the moment and be as truthful as you can. And you know what? I think that beautiful things will come. That's, that's, that's what I'm discovering in my own experience is that, yeah, I think great things come out of being honest and great things come out of great things come out of just committing to the moment, whatever you're doing. And then, you know, when you move on to your next moment, commit to that. Um, and I, and I, and this whole moment to moment thing, I don't think I understood it as much as I do right now before. And so what I would say is, I don't know if it's like literally like you don't need to get micromanaging about it. Like, it's not like, okay, I'm in my next moment. I need to do this thing. It's just like, if you're doing this thing, do this thing. And if you're doing that thing, do that thing, but don't think about this thing while you're doing that thing. And don't think about that thing while you're doing this thing, just do one or the other. Yeah. You know, really, really embrace whatever the experience is that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's what we got. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, that was a good one. It was a good one. I like it. All Until right. next time. Until next time. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.